Hey everyone, and welcome to season three of the Dare to Believe podcast. This is so good, Rebecca. <laughs> yeah, it is. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Dare to Believe podcast. We are so happy to start season three. This is pretty exciting, season three. We made it. Yeah, we made it and looking forward to great things. Yeah, so keep on subscribing, passing this on to people that you know will like it. Five-star reviews on iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts. And stay tuned for some really exciting things. And dare to believe for more from God. Amen. I am Christy Greener, and I am here. We followed, actually, Rebecca to Sparta, <laughs> Wisconsin, didn't we, Rebecca? Yeah, hey, Christy. So why don't you tell everybody why we're here and what we're up to? Well, we're here at the invitation of Matt and Sherry McPherson. We're sitting in their conference room right now. We've got a row of bows and a row of I know, beautiful guitars. know, this is guitars. a pretty nice conference yeah, room. Yeah, for sure. And we're here just because it's just so fun how the Lord works. Um, I wrote a book a little while ago, and Sherry happened to read it and liked it and contacted me, and here we are. Not only did Sherry like it, but I saw it over dinner, and Sherry has <laughs> bookmarked and highlighted 100% of the book. So Sherry really liked it, right, Sherry? It's really true. Okay. Yes. <laughs> so we're here with Matt and Sherry McPherson. So say hi, you guys. Hey, how are Hello. you? Hello. <laughs> so Glad you're here. Yeah, this is Thank awesome. You. Thanks for having us. Sparta land. Sparta land. <laughs> here we are. What brought you guys to Sparta, Wisconsin? Because you're both Twin Cityites. Oh, gosh. Yep. You got you fell in love and got married in Minnesota, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. What happened was I was actually born in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, and my gr my grandma's house was in Wisconsin and on a ah. farm. And my mom was born on that farm, and so every year we would come back to. Even though I was born in Eau Claire, and my dad was a pastor actually until I was three, and then we moved to Minneapolis, St. Paul area, but. We, uh, as, as I grew up, my brother Randy and I especially, uh, were the two oldest of seven. We would go uh, archery shooting with my father, uh, hunting in Wisconsin. So we'd go to the farm, my grandma's farm. And I just always wanted to get back to Wisconsin. First of all, I was born in Wisconsin, so my roots are here. And I just love the rolling hills, the beautiful rolling hills that uh, go from cropland into woods, then back into cropland. To me, that's some of the most beautiful land I've ever seen anywhere in the world. Uh, so we actually grew our company to a point where we needed to move. We had outgrown the building we were in in Minnesota. The archery company. Uh huh. The archery so company. So that was actually Austin, Minnesota. We had actually, Austin, Minnesota. yeah, we had actually had gotten investors in the first company, uh, sold that company, and started uh, Matthews Archery in '92. So what was your first company? First company was McPherson Archery. Okay. And I couldn't use that again because that got sold, sure, so I had sure. to use my first name, uh, and that's where Matthews Matthew, comes right. from. Okay. So <laughs> Matthews, I knew, was uh, a last name also, uh, and I thought, well, I'll make it look like a last name, uh, but it really is my first name. And uh, so we outgrew the building we were in, and I thought, you know, I've always wanted to get back to Wisconsin, so why not move here uh, into Wisconsin? So the quickest route from Austin is take Highway 90. Highway 90. Yep. And we so here you are. Yeah, and we came over the, the border, and uh, we were actually looking in the La Crosse, Wisconsin area, but Sherry says, hey, honey, being who she is, she's checking out the churches. She says, there's a church in Sparta, Wisconsin I want to check out. And I said, sure. So we went, and, of course, she filled out, you know, a guest, you know, thing. And some people asked us a few questions. Hey, why are you guys here? Oh, we're looking at moving our company to Wisconsin. And I didn't think anything of it. Well, the next day, Monday, uh, I was back in uh, Austin, Minnesota. We get a call from some of the people that were actually working with the Development Corporation of Sparta. And they said, hey, why don't you think about moving here? And I said, wow, you know what? We are so close to picking a spot already into La Crosse. We didn't make any commitments, but we're really close. So I said, if you got something, don't don't even mess around. Just lay it out, and uh, we, we can make a decision from there. So we came here. They laid it out. It was wonderful. I mean, just everything they said they would do, I said, okay, that's what we're after. And I felt good about it. Sherry and I, we, we felt really good about the move, and so we came over here. And a funny story real quick. My dad, <laughs> I called him and said, hey, Dad, we're moving to, to Wisconsin. He says, oh, really, where? I said, a little, little town called Sparta, Wisconsin. And there was this pause for a second. He goes, you're kidding me. I said, oh, you know where Sparta is? He says, son, when your mother was pregnant with you, 
I tried out to be the pastor of that church. Oh, no way. The one that Sherry found? Yes. Yeah. Oh, wow. I, I tried out to be the pastor of that church, he says, and my dad has a memory like an elephant. I'm not even kidding. He says, son, I had the flu, and I remember cold sweat just dripping off my forehead as I'm preaching. He says, I was sicker than a dog. And he said, I found out that I missed it by one vote. And he said, I always have thought, did I miss where we were supposed to be? And Isn't I said, Dad, and I came back. Wow. <laughs> and so it was, it was one of those goosebump moments where, yeah. where it was just like, wow, it felt really extra, you know, extra biblical, you know, <laughs> that we had come back to where my dad thought that maybe we were supposed to be. That's uh, really cool. But, yeah. but he wouldn't have met me. No. And it would never have been Matt exactly. and Sherry. So the Lord's plan they, was to well, yeah. Absolutely. It's bigger than that. Yeah. yeah so much Sherry, bigger than ours. Tell us how you met Matt. That's a good story. Well, we auditioned for um, a band that was advertised, and my mom. We had gotten something in the mail, and my mom kept saying, "You need to audition for that. You need to audition for that." Because you were a singer, worship leader. Yeah. I, well, I was wasn't a worship leader at the time, but yeah, singer, songwriter, uh, keyboard player. And uh, I had never been in a band before, so my mother kept pushing me, kept pushing me, and she had a strong faith in the Lord. You know, she, I really feel like you're supposed to go and do this. So I did, auditioned, and they picked me, and he auditioned, and they picked him. And when we came to the first meeting, the gal who's head of the group, there was five of us, and everybody was there except me. I got, we got lost and couldn't find the place. But anyway, she says, now don't any of you think of marrying her, you know? And so <laughs> you were there at the time, Matt was there and lo and behold, we ended up together. So how, how much, so. long, how long did it take before you were married? Uh, After you met? A year and a half about. Yeah, Cause about we, it was a fall, it was summer in, in probably September or October that we actually tried out for the group. And we met right around in that time, and and then a year and a half later, we we were married. So and how long have you been married? How many years? It'll be forty years this June. Wow. Forty years! Yeah. Congratulations! Wow. Yeah. That is awesome. My only awesome. regret is uh, that I didn't marry her sooner. You know, but uh, <laughs> she I was twenty three and she was twenty, and so she probably wouldn't have gotten yeah, married. You wouldn't have liked me when I was a teenager. She anyway. keeps saying that. I don't believe <laughs> I'm sure I would have. That's awesome. So, how many years have you been in Sparta now? We moved here in the fall of December, actually, of 1995. Okay. So it'll be 25 years uh, this next year. So is the collection of everything behind us, we've got a bunch of bows on the wall behind us. Is that all from Sparta? Were they all formed here? No. The earliest one was not? No. uh, Actually, the first two on the wall actually were actually in Austin, Minnesota. Okay. But there was a lot of other models in there. These are just kind of the highlighted models. Yeah, for sure. So yeah. the, for those listeners, we're looking at a row of amazingly beautiful 17 bows that are hanging on the wall behind us in one side of the room. And on the other side of the room are one, two, three, a whole bunch of guitars that are absolutely gorgeous. So we'll talk about them later, but it's quite a place. So tell us about the, you, before yeah, yeah. we were recording, Let's you were telling us about your journey through these bows. It's kind of like a little history lesson as you walk through and talk about these things. But, you know, I'm really interested because I have heard about you because I'm a dream interpreter, and you dreams play a big part in who you are and oh, yeah. what's going on here. So could you tell that story for us? Please? It's actually a vision. It a was vision. literally okay. a vision. Oh, um, that's fun. It was, it, was, it was amazing. In the late 70s, before I met Sherry, uh, my, uh, my family used to do uh, high school auditoriums. We would travel and sing and, and, and do gospel music and then give an invitation to accept Christ in a, like a three-state, three to four-state area. And uh, one of the places where we went uh, was in Wisconsin. And uh, in the late 70s, our family had stopped traveling. Uh, everybody was kind of going their separate ways, but one of the churches that we had sung at years before that said, "Hey, you know, to my dad, would you would your family come and sing?" He says, "Ah, we're not doing it anymore, but maybe maybe my son would do that." And so I said, "Sure, sure, I'll do that." And so I got a band together and we sang for a you know a Saturday night and a Sunday morning. Traveled about 150 miles, you know, gas, food, hotel expenses, rented a U-Haul trailer for the band and everything like that. And uh, the pastor the next morning uh, handed me $15 and said, uh, God bless you. I wish I could give you more. 
And I'm thinking to myself, yeah, I wish you had given me more too, frankly. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, $15 it's doesn't even cover the gas. It's not going to cover the gas. <laughs> and, uh, but I'm just not the type that gets angry. Uh, but I ponder on things like that, right? And I just said, God, you know, what do you, what do you want me to be involved? I, I have yeah. a heart for Christ. I have a heart for missions yeah. and ministry. But I can't live on negative money. I have to have positive cash flow, you know? And I heard him say, literally out of the blue, uh, shortly after that, and it was like the hair in the back of my neck stood up. I was just like, because to me, it was audible. He said, I'm going to prosper you in business so you can be self-sufficient in ministry. I mean, to me, it was literally like audible. And I love that because we tend to think we're so logical as human beings that we think it's got to be separate. Like God wouldn't be involved in the business part. Right. That's, not, that's, not, that's not blessed by the Lord. It's one or the other. Right. But that's not how he thinks. You know, yeah, it's, it is interesting because there's no way in, in our situation that we could have reached as many as we have around the world. We literally, for Christ, impact millions of lives. Mm-hmm. Millions. We can talk about that more later. But every year, it's literally in the millions. And if I wasn't making bow and arrows, like, we wouldn't be able to do that. Yeah. Um, so it was, Sherry and I ended up getting married, and um, I was trying to figure out exactly where I, where I was supposed to land. You know, I, I knew that God had told me. I mean, I knew in my heart there was absolutely that I was going to be in business. I was good with math. I was, I was always engineering things and always making things. I was good at it. And um, all of a sudden, one day, uh, a couple years into our marriage, I, I heard God's voice again. He said, I know every answer to every problem in the world. Hmm. And it, was just, it just knocked me over because was, I was not thinking necessarily God thoughts at the time. I was just walking through the house, and it just knocked me over almost. And I said, well, yeah, that's because you're God. And I thought that was it. I was supposed to absorb that. But then I heard him say in kind of actually a sad voice he said if mankind would only ask me wow. i'd give him those answers wow and i was like well of course i mean that's even biblical <laughs> you yeah. know, if you ask if you lack wisdom ask me yeah. and so i got on my knees i said god i know that you said you're gonna prosper me in business i felt and i feel that i'm supposed to get into making bows i've been building bows for for quite a few years for myself but i said i know you know how to make better bows Lord, blind the eyes of everybody else and give me the best ideas, and I will honor you with my life. That's a great prayer. That is a great uh, prayer. Yeah, come on. God didn't seem to mind that prayer. And no. uh, it was about two weeks later, I woke up in the middle of the night. I mean, I just sat up in bed from completely being unconscious, asleep. And I literally had a vision, and it was literally a piece of paper, and it wasn't just a white sheet of heavenly paper. It was like notebook paper, like it had been ripped out of a notebook. I mean, it was the funniest thing. I'm like, God, really? Did, did you have any clean? But it was like notebook paper, and uh, you see the tear marks on the side, and it was like the lines, all the red lines and blue lines, all, all the stuff you see you know, on notebook paper. And with a crude drawing of a new concept, I thought, oh my goodness, I've never thought of that for, for a bow. I thought, I've never thought of a, about making a bow like that. And Sherry kind of stirred. She goes, what are you doing? I said, honey, I'm literally having a vision. Either, there are, <laughs> I'm, either I'm dreaming, and I think this is a fantastic idea, because there's times I've been in my dream thinking I have a great idea. I wake up and go, boy, that was dumb. I thought, I'm either having the most vivid dream possible, and I think I have a great idea, or, or this, I'm literally having a vision. I said, i got to get up. i got to draw this thing down. And I said, if it's real, it'll be there in the morning. So I got up, drew the thing out, woke up in the morning, and sure enough, there it was. And that's how I started my first bow company. And wow. that was this bow? No, that no? was the bow company before this. Oh, wow. And I got okay. investors and started that company. We had some success. but And I can see the wisdom in it now. Uh, I ended up having to sell because the investors, it's, it's tough. Let me put it this way. It's tough to start a business to do ministry with secular people yeah. involved mm-hmm. in your business. Sure. Yeah. They don't even want you to take your money, your percentage, and invest it in missions because they want you to take your money and invest it in the company, in the company. Sure. to create more wealth for them. Yep, sure. So I can see that now. Sure. So I sold out and uh, I was an independent engineer for them for a few years. And then there was this moment in time where they sold to somebody else and I realized it was time for me to cut ties. And I had gotten a new, new concept, a new idea. And so I started Matthew's Archery in 92. Uh, we grew like 
crazy. Uh, it was 300 and some percent growth over a five-year period. So year after year after year with an average of like 300 and some percent growth made now, the Inc. 500. That, and what I love is that's God's way of investing. Absolutely. Yeah, you are Come investing on. in kingdom and the returns to you are exponentially higher, but secular or, or yeah. mankind's or flesh wisdom is you yeah. got to invest back in the company because yep. you will give away when you have got it, that all taken right. care of. Yep, you give away when you have enough to give away. Right. As and opposed that's not to the way God works. Starting with right. the kingdom. And, yeah. bet, and you've never been lacking for... Well, you know, of course, to begin with, when the company's growing that ferociously, it is sucking up the money like a vacuum. Oh, for sure. You're buying more infrastructure. You're buying more desks and computers and, and, and employees. And, and it's, it's just an amazing vacuum to begin with. Uh, but I, it, but it was happening very quickly, and all of a sudden we realized after a certain period of time, you know, we actually have money to invest at this point. Of course, we were doing our ties and we were doing over above our ties, but now all of a sudden we had serious capital. Can that you we speak could do. to that? Your ties and above your ties. For people that just aren't yeah. familiar with those concepts, yeah. steps, what, tell us how that was works in your heart and how the Lord's. Yeah, I mean, you know, I was taught as as a young young boy. I mean, to because my mom and dad brought us up, you know, to serve Christ and to give our life to Christ as a very very early age, and that part of that part of serving God is investing in in God. And the ten percent was basically always taught as that is the minimum. You know, <laughs> tithes and offering means you know the minimum plus, right? And so our heart, you know, I grew up in a family that was broke. We were always broke. Honestly, we were always struggling financially. And uh, I, I grew up hating money. I got to be honest with you, because it always made our family's life so tough. There were seven kids, my mom and dad working their tails mm. off, always trying to, to make ends meet. And um, it, I just saw the, the pain and suffering they went through and how it made it tough on all of us. I mean, just even the stress of, uh, you know, could we lose the house? Yeah, we could. Could we lose the, the car, you know, not being able to pay the payments? Yes. And so this stress, uh, I was the second oldest of, of seven, me and my brother Andy, ended up having to work with my dad in an auto body situation. Uh, many times, I mean, I was going to high school, uh, junior high and high school, my brother Andy and I, and we were putting in 50 to probably 70 hours a week while going to, to school. Wow. And so it was very, very difficult times and uh, miserable, uh, miserable, uh, just late daily, late nights. Sometimes we saw the sun come up, you know. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking, I hate money. I hate the fact that I need money, that we need money to be happy. Yeah, money and was controlling yeah, your life. I didn't, I didn't mm -hmm. like the fact that money had that power over yeah. us. So ironically, I find it interesting how God gave somebody like me who hates money but i'm good with math and i'm, a, I'm an inventor <laughs> and I'm, I'm good with business uh gave me the ability to make a lot of money because i have no problem giving it away <laughs> and uh I, I in fact i love to give my and i married somebody who's just like me who loves to give has no problem with it and uh, that could have messed things up you sure. know yeah so Very to much. end you up with uh, a, a woman who the same heart for christ the same heart to give uh, and to have a company that uh, we, uh, two years ago, since 1992, we actually topped a billion dollars in sales, wow. you know, from, from 92 Thank you, on. Jesus. And it was just, that's amazing <laughs> to be selling over a billion dollars of toys. And that was, that was at our, at our level. The stores then sold those for retail. So it was, uh, you know, it was probably over a couple billion dollars in, in actual products. So we're selling toys, right? Uh, guitars and, and bow but and arrows. But you weren't afraid to dream with God. So yeah. It wasn't just your dream. This was your dreaming with God. Yeah. I believe that I, the, probably the best way I, I've explained it is I feel like I'm a curator. That, that God has handed me something that I'm responsible for. Because for me to make what most people out there will tell you, we build the best bows in the world. That's what, I'm, the that's number, what I hear. I've been hearing a lot of yeah. that lately. <laughs> we're the number one bow company in the world. Yeah. And we're also known uh, by many, many of the top artists as the, the number one acoustic guitar in the world. And yeah. I'll second that. And we um, haven't even yeah. talked about your yeah. guitars yet. And I'm, I'm not that lucky to build, be the best in two different, completely different categories. So I know that God... When I said, God, I want you to give me the best ideas in blind the eyes of everyone else because I know you know what I'm going to do with it. I knew that also there was a responsibility hooked to that. Mm -hmm. 
and that I needed to be found faithful. Mm-hmm. And I hate that I cry so easy. This <laughs> is Scotch Irish in me. You know what's so funny? Uh, Scotch Irish will cry at the drop of a hat. We'll fight at the drop of a hat. You know, it's just like this emotional thing. But the but, this but you is, know this what? Is, this I'm is hard stuff. This I'm is hard stuff. Yeah. yeah, and that's that's yeah. why yeah. the Lord can trust you with it. Yes, yeah. right. Yeah. His heart. Faithful. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And hmm. uh, so it's exciting. Anyway, it's been really an exciting ride. And sure, sometimes goes, man. It's not been dull living with you, honey, but <laughs> we've had an exciting life, you know, uh, and a lot of challenges, you know, with uh, health with kids and, and uh, just different things. But it grew me into an intercessor, that's for sure. And she's an amazing and, intercessor. You know, knowing how to do battle and the resistance that the enemy has, he doesn't want his people to prosper, he doesn't want the money to go. The enemy doesn't the want God's people to prosper. Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. And so he, there's the resistance there. Yeah. And we've had a lot thrown at us. And But God has been faithful to put other prayer warriors in our lives. Literally, God has called specific people and quite a few of them. God told us to pray for you, Matt and Sherry, and your kids every day. And this has been happening for years. And... There was a time where um, a good friend of ours uh, up in the Twin Cities, she's very prophetic, and she said, um, this is before we started with the Salvation Poem and the whole foundation and the whole ministry part. She said, you're, you're about to enter into something that is so big that you do not have the, the sufficient sure. prayer covering. Sure. You need to pray for more intercessors. And, and I was feeling that already, and I'd already been praying that, so it was a confirmation. And it's just out of the blue, different times, people that I never would have, you know, you can't call them up, hi, would you pray for us? You know, I mean, it has to be God. And so God appointed them. It has so to be a calling. Yeah, yes. and, and so we have had a lot of covering and, um, warfare but you know what we win and yeah intercession is is part of the whole equation it's a team it's a team effort and intercessors are a big part of everything so what came first the bows or the guitars well ironically uh for myself i made bow and arrows first for myself then i made guitars Uh, so do you make a special kind of arrow no, we don't make arrows. Oh, you don't make, okay. uh, No, we let other companies that specialize so in that. Yep, okay. yeah, we make the bows. So ironically, I, I started making bows before I made guitars for myself. But professionally, I got into making guitars first until I realized uh, that was the early 80s when all of a sudden electronics were really, really just exploding in, in the music realm. And all of a sudden, you can play guitar on a keyboard. You can play drums on a keyboard. You can play bass on a keyboard. So all the acoustic instruments really took a hit. Oh, and I realized, sure. Yeah, and I realized, oh, my goodness. It's gone I, back to that yeah. a little bit, like 80s style stuff. Huge so I then went right into going professional into the archery at that point. So where were you making the guitars? Up in Minneapolis area. You were. This is before we had moved, yeah. Yeah, and it was tough times, and we were newly married. I'm going, man, this is not working out. And uh, that's when I had gotten on my knees and said, uh, God, you know how to make better bows. Could you give me those ideas, please? So you began making the bows. So talk to us a little bit about the history that's right sitting behind you. Yeah, you know, uh, there was so many things that have happened over the years but just been innovative over the years bow and arrows as you pull them back on a compound bow it's let's say it's a 60 pound bow which is a real common bow 60 mm-hmm. or 70 pound bow is a real common bow for a man to hunt with so let's just say it's a 60 pound bow uh, bows at the time in 1985 it, at best if you pulled it at 60 pounds when you were at full draw in other words at the position you were holding ready to shoot you'd be holding maybe 30 pounds well, one of the designs I came up with is called uh, the inner cam. Uh, which Intercam? The inner cam, yep. Intercam. And none of these bows on the wall actually is that bow. That was bows before these bows that you're looking at. But it was an inner cam design that I got patents on, and it actually had 75% lot off. So it was the first bow on the market that you pulled 60 pounds, but now you're only holding 15 pounds. Yeah. Is that the one kid. where you saw yeah. the vision and drew that out? Uh, that no? was actually the one that had the vision. That That's where so that cool. came from. That okay. is actually where that one came from. That's really fun. Uh huh. So the vision was actually with McPherson Archery, 
And, uh, but I continue to pray, of course, and say, God, I know you know, know how to make better bows. Continue to give me good ideas. He's not boring, is he? No, he's not. <laughs> and he's not limited. It's no, like, and so when I, when I ended up selling out, when not I ended up selling the first company out and started in 1992 with Matthews, uh, God had given me a new vision. It was like, it was, and it was one of those things I had known for years in my gut. There was a way to make a single cam bow. Typically, compound bows had a cam on the top and a cam on the bottom, which there was cables on it and strings on it. And they would wrap up, and that's what would cause it to, let's say, peak out at 60 pounds and then end up at maybe 15 pounds, right? So I knew there was a way to make a bow that would be only a single cam operating the top limb and the bottom limb. But it, it always eluded me and eluded pretty much everybody in the industry. And all of a sudden, one day, it just it was like a flash in my head. So I knew it wasn't me again. I knew it was like downloaded, you know? And I was like, Lord, I think that's gonna work. And so I literally grabbed a bow and restrung it up in a way that it was very, very crude. It was not the correct way to make it, but it would prove the concept. And sure enough, it worked. Wow. And so I went and got patents on it, started Matthew's Archery, and then we had this ferocious growth. I mean, just mm. amazing growth. Uh, and it allowed us, of course, then to get involved with with ministry and missions around the world. And some of these bows are bigger and some are smaller. Yeah. Tell us about that. Typically the longest bows that you see on the wall there, they are more for competition. Uh, a oh, longer really? bow is gonna be a little more stable and a little bit slower to move. Well, if you think about it, if it, if it doesn't bounce around as much, it's gonna sure. aim better. Yep. So the typical long bows are typically more for competition. Now, when it comes to hunting, uh, you want as short as possible because you're maybe in a tree stand or you might be in a hunting blind and you have a restricted area to move in. So the smaller the bow that you can shoot well, the better. And over time, uh, we've, uh, I've just continued to get ideas on how to make them smoother, quieter, more accurate. And it's just been a progression that every year we just, it's like God gives me the right amount. It gives me the right amount of uh uh, you know, uh, ideas to be able to cool. uh, move on to the next model. I just love and it. So, yeah. yeah. So, Sherry, let me ask, what, what were you thinking and feeling when, you know, this was happening with the transition from one archery company to another and or bow company to another and, you know, your husband's saying, well, the Lord's giving me a vision. Was that, out, it was inside your wheelhouse? Was it just like, yeah, let's go? Her friends were telling her that I was just a dreamer. Yeah, family members too. Oh, Matthew's just a dreamer. And, wow. You know, didn't really have the support of people. And Dreamer, and that's not, that was kind of derogatory. Yeah, I think that's a yes, yes, really negative. Well, yeah. there's, there's dreamers and dream doers. Yeah, they, they thought oh, I was just a dreamer. Good decision. Yeah, and, and none of us, including myself, didn't know what Matt was capable of doing. I mean, when I met him and we were first married, it was auto body. And then he's talking about, oh, I have this idea for a bow. And I'm like, okay, a bow. You know, my dad would hunt gun. We never had any bows in the house. And so I wasn't familiar with it. But, um, you know, I supported him. And our kids were little and I was busy being a mom and homeschooling and, and all of that. So, and, you know, he had to invest a lot of hours per week you know, when you sure, are the, yeah, start the sole company. owner and we had, we started out with what, two employees at first and it was a lot of hard work and he was Actually just gone one, a lot. Just one employee. Well, yeah. yeah, it wasn't long and you had a couple, but yep. yeah, so it, it was pretty amazing to see. I knew God was in it. I absolutely knew. And she so, always supported me. She never... She, she, you know, her friends would say these things and she would make her concerned, but she says, honey, I, I just, if that's what you think we need to do. And so she always supported me. I just will always be grateful for that. And now, of course, I know that he can do anything. Now, if I tell somebody, <laughs> those same friends, if I tell them I've, I've, I've designed a bow that I can shoot an arrow to the moon, they'd probably believe me. <laughs> Which I'd say, don't, don't believe me on that one. <laughs> All right, so then behind me and... Um, Rebecca's looking straight at him. There's a gorgeous wall of guitars, some dark wood, some light wood, some... Describe these guitars and tell us how you then got going over on this wall. Well, my dad, when we were first married, my dad uh, was... My dad's kind of quirky like me. And my mom calls me and says, son, you got to talk to your dad. I said, what's up? She says, he's lost his mind. You need to talk to him. I said, okay, put him on the phone. 
I said, Dad, hey, what's, what's, what's up? He says, man, he says, I just know there's a better way to make a guitar. I just know it. I know there's a better way to make a guitar. I said, well, what are you doing? He says, well, I'm buying guitars and plugging up the sound hole and cutting holes in new spots. <laughs> I said, well, I get why mom thinks you're crazy. Um, but but I, I can understand what you're saying, Dad. I, I, can, I can grasp what you're saying that there's, I can hear that there's some lack in the way guitars are made. And so we, we, uh, we did some guitar stuff together at the time and had some interesting results, but my dad kind of gave up on it. And in the early 90s, when we started Matthews, I, I literally heard God's voice again. He says, I want you to do this to the guitars you've made with your dad because it's not quite right. I, I want you to make this change. And I'm thinking, okay. And so I made the change and I heard, I heard something that I'd never heard before. Mm. And I was like, okay, God, I, I know, I kind of know what you're saying. So give me the full layout, the whole blueprint. And just over time, these ideas came to me. And uh, there's a number of things that are different on our guitars than anybody's ever done before, which causes the guitar to sound more stereophonic and to ring longer than any other guitar. They're more expressive, the dynamic range is wider. Uh, and there's a number of reasons for all that. And so we are quite known around the world now, McPherson Acoustic Guitars. I mean, the Carrie Underwood Band has played our guitars for years, the, the band Perry, uh, Amy Grant, Vince Gill, I mean, a lot of the country artists and some of the pop artists too, but many of the, of the gospel artists have uh, supported our stuff for many, many years. Big Daddy Weave plays our stuff um, and uh, just a number of names and they can play any guitar they want uh, so the bottom line is the proof is in the pudding if you pick up a guitar that inspires you the interesting thing about any instrument a piano a violin anything if you're a piano player and you all of a sudden play on a piano that inspires you you play better mm -hmm. because you're inspired and so if you play better uh, you sound better it's just obvious. You will if you play better, you sound better. If, right. if you yeah. sound better, you are better. <laughs> so an instrument is very, very much a part of of uh, the emotions a musician needs to to be able to to practice more. Even if if you're inspired when you play, you're going to practice more. So that's one of those things when people say, "Hey, Matt, what should I do for my my kids? They I want to get them into guitar." And I said, "Well, start out with an inexpensive guitar, but." Make sure it, the playability of it is good and that sonically it's a pretty good sounding guitar or they'll get discouraged real quick. Sure. And so we've worked very, very, uh, very, very hard on making guitars not only sound better but feel better. And you can see the, the beauty. We, we make beautiful. Yeah, they are beautiful. And there are many different woods. And, and I asked you earlier if the type of wood makes a difference in the sound. Sure and, does. And it does. Yeah. yeah. So there's lots of different sound on this wall. It's just I mean, pleasing to the eye and pleasing Thank to the you. ear, and it's beautiful. <laughs> wow. And not only that, but you, with all the income that has come in and you are giving back to the kingdom, you guys began your um, nonprofit organization, right? Your charity, what do you call it? A well, we, we, even before that, we, we got involved in missions around the world. Okay. And there is an organization that we work with that, again, this is, this is totally just a praise report because God... If I don't do this, God's going to move it on and give it to someone else. I'm yeah. absolutely convinced of say, that. Can you say more of that? That's an important point. You know, uh, there was, real quick, I'm going to say that I was in an airport in the late 90s, and I was walking by, in Minneapolis actually, Minneapolis airport, walking by a bookstore, and I see a book titled The Bible Code, and I heard God say, go buy that book. I'm like, really? I don't even like reading books. I hardly ever read a book. I, I just, I, I go to sleep when I read. ADHD. I'm going to block that out, yeah. Matt. I'm and and so I literally walked in there and I picked up the book and I looked on the back to see who wrote it. Written by an atheist. I slammed it back down on the, on a, on the uh, shelf and walked back out. And I heard God say, what did I tell you? I said, you told me to buy it. I said, God, it was written by an atheist. He said, buy the book. And so I went in and I bought it. And I started reading it and I realized that it was very uh, it was a it was basically uh, based on mathematics taking the torah the first five books of the bible and going back to the original uh hebrew and how that uh, equidistant uh, uh skipping of, of the letters mm -hmm. would spell out certain things i mean so they they actually put it into a computer yeah and then they started asking questions you know and and all of a sudden 
tremendously complicated questions were answered that was hidden within yeah. the buried code of the of the, of the Hebrew text hmm. that for it to happen would be mathematically basically impossible unless somebody outside of time <laughs> had actually helped write the Torah. And this guy's an atheist who wrote this book? No, he wrote about the, the findings that mathematicians in Israel had found out. Okay. Uh, there was, uh, there was uh, several mathematicians that were considered world-renowned world that literally set out to prove that it wasn't real, that there wasn't a hidden code within the Torah, and they actually proved that there was. And so I read this, and again, I heard God say, I want you to produce a documentary. And I'm like, sure, I get that. I'm, I build bows and guitars. Why not documentary? <laughs> Why not that? Sherry's <laughs> on board by now, so I right. yeah. like, whatever. So anyway, to, to, to make a, a long story short, produce this documentary. We ended up w winning uh, awards for it. And Seriously. it was a television documentary. Millions of people around What's the world called? saw it. Called Secrets of the Bible Code Revealed. Come on. You guys did that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so it would have been played around 1999. Maybe a year after that, I said, God, I don't believe I was your first choice hmm. to produce that. And just as clear as, as can be, I heard him say, nope, you weren't. I said, so, and I had an idea why, what the answer was going to be. I said, so God, why did you ask me? Why did you choose me? And I heard him say, because you were the first willing. You're mm -hmm. obedient. You were the first willing. He said, yes. I said, so you had, you had people mm -hmm. that were ideally suited for it that weren't paying attention. He says, mm -hmm. correct. Mm -hmm. And honestly, that wasn't a pat on my back. It horrified me yeah. immediately. And I said, God, how many times have I not been listening? Mm -hmm. And you gave my job to somebody else. I said, I hope never. But please, if you've got to use a two by four, maybe put a little padding on it. <laughs> <laughs> but don't ever let me miss something that you've yeah, uh, that's a good designated that's a great, for me because I know that you can just pass me by. Yes, don't pass Lord. me by. And I remember for years I prayed, and, and I wasn't even sure why I was praying, other than I just felt like I should. I said, God, don't pass me by. Don't pass me by. Um, I believe that God can do anything he wants without any of us, right? <laughs> but just like when my little boys were little and they could barely walk and they would want to come over to see what I was working on and I would see the look on their face and I and I saw that they wanted to hang with me and they were frankly kind of in my way many times but I delighted in them wanting to be by me and be with me and be a part of what I was doing and I'd say once in a while hey hand daddy that you know that little part there and the, the look in their eyes, and they'd reach down and pick it up and hand it to me, and the look in their eye that they were being a part of what I was doing. Yeah. And God brought that back to me, and he says, that's what it's like for me. Mm. So anyway, it was, it was one of those things. It was just like, oh, man, Lord, don't please don't give my job to anybody else. Yeah. I, in fact, if my shoulders are broad enough again, give me something else yeah. that somebody's not paying Come attention. On. Yeah, that's good. So then you begin your foundation. When or how? <laughs> well, okay, in the early two thousands, I was okay. So the movie, the the documentary was the in the late nineties. Okay, and in the early two thousands, I was in my house at the time. In fact, I remember where I was at. I was in the porch, and I said, "Lord, I I know that you know that I make bows, because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, you've been a part of that. And I know you, you you know that I make guitars." God, would you just, and I've, I've got over 50 patents, you know. I said, would you give me an idea to change the world? Please, just throw it on me, man. And again, I heard his voice, and he says, okay, I want you to write a sinner's prayer, put to a poem, put to music, and I want you to teach the world. And I was like, why has a sinner's prayer never been put to a poem and put to music? What? And I thought, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. And I literally sat down and just, it poured out of me, five of the six lines. And uh, I was stuck on line five. I had an idea, but I just couldn't get it to come together. I thought, well, for Pete's sake, my wife's a writer too. And so I went up to her, I said, honey, I've got, I've got these lines. Jesus, you died upon a cross and rose again to save the lost. 
Forgive me now of all my sin. Come be my Savior, Lord, and friend. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da, and help me, Lord, to live for you. She says, oh, change my life and make it new. <laughs> I'm like, there it is. So it's change my life and make it new and help me, Lord, to live for you. Because I knew that as leading people to Christ, that it's not just about <laughs> making, a, you know, just saying, Jesus, forgive me of my sins and be my Savior, and that's it. Yeah. I knew that it really needed to say, change my life. Now that's the evidence mm-hmm. of truly accepting Christ. Sure. Change my life and make it new and help me, Lord, to live for you. I knew that if we added that into there, that was really a, more of a complete sinner's prayer. And I, we just knew that God was. So anyway, we started, we just started connecting with people and uh, uh, big ministries ended up producing a movie in South America, the first movie ever produced in South America that made theater that was Christian ever. And it was super successful to the point to where even Sony has us now uh, put some of their big films into theaters under the Christian label. Hmm. So we're still doing that under another uh, business name. And so it's, you guys have a movie company. You too. do. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> that shouldn't so, be surprising, actually. No, no, of course you It's do. kind of all connected if you think about it. It's yes, all it creative, is. you know, it's yeah, all creative yeah. type of stuff. Mm-hmm. And again, we, we, we've connected with people who are just incredible uh, talent, and God has just brought us all together. Um, you know, people, uh, I've heard people say this over the years, and I really believe it. Don't ask God for things that are possible. That's good. Come on. <laughs> ask God yeah. for things that are impossible. Because then it's obvious it's not you, and it's obvious to everybody else it's not Amen. you. Amen. That's right. That it's him. But that's a scary place to be if you it don't is. trust God. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. yep. it all depends on him. Yeah. Well, and for me, I was, you know, at the time when he asked me, hey, could you come up with this line? Um, and I knew that he was working on this song. Um as I looked back, I was like, thank you, God, for including me, that I got to be a part of this world think, song. Oh, my goodness, yeah. I mean, this is a world song. We have it in, what, over, over 90 80, languages over now. Over 90 languages. Uh, this last year, just uh, Superbooks, we partnered with CBN on Superbooks. We were their first large investor to actually get uh, these Bibles, uh, uh, stories in animated. toy animated Toy Story quality. Whoa! Uh, yep, Toy Story quality. I remember Amazing. Super Books back in the day. Yep, and this is the new Super Books, which are yeah. Toy Story quality no now. <laughs> and uh, so every one of these ends with the Salvation poem, recapping what the kids saw. And we just we prayed about this CBN. I mean, Seven Hundred Club and, and us. We prayed about how can we make this? How do we do this? Because if you just bring somebody leading people to Christ at the end of it, they're just gonna snip it on these on these secular television. They're gonna mm-hmm. snip that off and just mm-hmm. put some other commercial in there. So anyway, we, we ended up putting the song at the end, recapping what the kids just saw, and pretty much nobody snips it. All these secular television stations play the sinner's even prayer. Even Muslim countries. Yeah, even in the Muslim countries. So they're playing mm-hmm. the sinner's prayer. And if you think about it, we all know poems, right, from a child, like Mary yeah. Had a Little. Lamb. lamb. Everybody knows that. Yeah. What if Mary had a little lamb was a sinner's prayer? Everybody in America would know how to give their life to Christ. So can you guys sing it for us without music? Sure. <laughs> Ready? <laughs> Jesus, you died upon a cross and, and rose again, again to save the lost. Forgive me now of all my sin. Come be my Savior, Lord and friend. Change my life and make it new. And help me, Lord, to live for you. Change my life and make it new. And help me, Lord, to live for you. So anyway, this gets out, right? And this last year, we had we had numbers, they say, uh, of over 230 million Thank kids you, heard this. So we heard it was, wow. as an example, in, in the Philippines, we heard it, it had gone really, really big. I can see that going viral in the Philippines, yeah, for sure. For sure. They and, did a contest, Well, too. they did a contest, too, and, and there's just that different things they right. did. And, if you go to YouTube and type in the Salvation Poem, you're going to see a lot of Filipino kids singing. You know, <laughs> keyboard and, and, and oh, so cute. It's so adorable. Their five-year-old daughter singing it. But Sherry, a year and a half ago, locked 
the, the, the doors accidentally on my Yukon. And I thought, well, we've got, we've got OnStar. So I called OnStar and said, hey, can you unlock my, my uh-huh. car? And I could tell she was a foreigner that, that I'm talking to. She says, well, while we're waiting for it to unlock, uh, is there anything else I can help you with? I said, well, where are you at? Yeah, yeah, you can tell you're, you're in a foreign country. She says, I'm in the Philippines. I said, really? I said, I'm, you know, I said, my wife and I wrote a song. I said, do you speak Tagalog? And she says, yeah, that's my first language. I said, uh, we wrote a song that was translated into Tagalog, and we understand that it's pretty big in the Philippines. She says, really? What's the name of it? I said, it's called The Salvation Poem. And there was a pause, and she goes, sing a little bit. So I did. She goes, oh, my kids sing that to me all the time. So here's this random person <laughs> on the phone with OnStar. Because I love the keys in the car. You know, and it was, like, it was like one of those moments where it really hit home. This really, really is being reached around that's the world. So you feel like that's a cool. kiss from the Lord saying, see, exactly. look what's going on. No kidding. No kidding. Oh, um, I like that scene. And so, again, because I make bow and arrows, it. you know, we are able to be involved in ministry around the world and to be able to promote a sinner's prayer. And we know that that a lot of these kids won't mean it, but there's also a lot of them who say that they've accepted Christ this way. They've literally given their life to Christ. And um, it's exciting to just see mm. the impact of that. It's, it's in the millions uh, that are giving their life to Christ every year because of that. Uh, they wow. say over this year it'll be over 250 million. We'll actually hear it. <laughs> And so, I mean, who gets to write a song that 250 million people get to hear, right? Again, it's another one of those things where I realize, God, it's, I'm just a curator. Yeah, I'm a curator of, of ideas. Mm-hmm. And Sherry and I, I have just been fortunate enough to be the ones that have gotten some wonderful downloads. And that's wow. what the foundation does. Mm-hmm. Yes. Wow. That's wow. so cool. You know, I heard somebody... A friend of ours talking uh, about a week ago, and he was saying um, what his son sent him an Instagram picture, and it had a picture of the Titanic, and it had a picture of Noah's Ark. Mm-hmm. And the Titanic, it said the Titan- this boat was made by experts, and this boat was made by a man who obeyed God. Wow, I love <laughs> yeah. that. I like but that. you guys strike me as mm-hmm. the ones who obeyed God, and yeah. look what's going on. That's wonderful. Look yeah. what's going That's on. That's encouraging. Yeah. 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 Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I saw I saw a cartoon. This is just a little bit off the subject, but I saw a cartoon with Noah's Ark, you know, and it's raining, and, and you can see the Ark is already floating, and a couple dinosaurs sitting on a rock, and they're looking at each other, and the one says, "Was that today?" <laughs> yeah. That's why there's no dinosaurs. That's why, that's the why they missed, they missed <laughs> that's it. Explanation. Yeah. No, wow. it's it's huge. I love I love. I love this. I love that we're hearing about ministry that looks so different from a lot of the examples that we hear about. And it's so easy for ministry to look like on the stage, speaking, praying, whatever, which is great. I love, I mean, obviously I enjoy that too, but it looks like just saying, Lord, I know you have an idea. I know you have a solution, whatever your field is. And we've heard testimonies of medical doctors saying like, Hey, I know you have a solution for that and getting some breakthrough and some research and things like that. So it's just so fun to see something very tangible. I mean, again, in the room with the guitars and the, the bows, like such a tangible answer to prayer. And the Lord's going to continue to use that and use you guys. And even the testimony of this, I really feel like there's something so huge on the testimony of this just being released. People saying like, Lord, why not me? And, and, and again, can, can the, I really the heart listen to, say, to the Lord yeah. and get ideas? Yeah. That's just such a cool yeah, thing. Yeah, and the heart to say yes. Just the heart to say and yes to the Lord. And dare to ask. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. dare to believe. believe. Dare to believe. <laughs> He'll use you <laughs> in many ways. Yes. But, and what I love is that you described with your family of origin and how hard it was, and money was kind of an oppressive thing to you. Yeah. Um, and that that God has a better idea. And so often we think that ministry has to be struggling for money and mm-hmm. begging for supporters. And it's not that it's wrong to have supporters, but to have that mentality that you're going to have barely enough to make it happen. Whereas when you partner with God, it can be a totally different scenario. Yeah. You know, he's he's got... He has no lack. He has no lack, and that's right. He has great ideas, and we can partner Absolutely. with him. Yeah. yeah. You know, one of the one of the things that it has that, that we've been super excited about over the years that we've been involved with is is being able to support missionaries. And there's one organization that we work with, and we literally fully fund 700 missionaries a year. 700, 700 missionaries. missionaries. Thank oh, you, Lord. And they, and that they is will awesome. Lead, they will lead more than 2 million people to Christ every year. And you know what's, what's interesting you, is I, I always had this heart for missions. I mean, I just had a drawing, but I knew I don't like monkey eyeball soup. I'm sure of it. <laughs> and I, 
you know what? And I'm, and I'm thinking, you know, I'm pretty much a McDonald's, you know, quarter pounder and cheese, you know, super size oh, fries. You know, it will, yeah, it's not the same. But uh, but I, I remember just saying, but I just knew that I wasn't supposed or to be a missionary. I knew I wasn't going to be a pastor, but I knew it I was going to be involved fit. in that, ministry. Those things didn't fit. Yeah, and uh, to to be able to be in a position to yeah. do that is. It hit struck me one day. I said, "God, you know, it would be wonderful." I mean, these, you know, I hope it's just not my weird goal. And uh, I thought, you know, it would be awesome to to be a missionary. It really would be an awesome thing to be a missionary. But you know what? Maybe better yet, if I can fund missionaries, and if I can do seven hundred missionaries a year, wow! In ten years, that's seven thousand years of missions. The bottom line is this: I think that you can ask big from God and you may not get it because if it's not really God's idea, in a sense, if it's not really what he wants you to do, he, he may not make that happen. But I think more than anything, God just wants us to be faithful, right? Mm. Would you agree to that? Amen. And I think, you know, we, we can get grandiose ideas, but I think there is a testing period. Be faithful with little things and you'll be trusted with much. Yep. Mm-hmm. I remember as a kid hearing that, I'm thinking to myself, you know, that's what it's about. Uh, we Again, my brother and I, we'd have to work 50 to 70 hours a week just to help put food on the table and pay for the house and, and the family with my dad. My dad was working his tail off too. Um, but I remember just thinking, you know what? Uh, I can't play sports. I was I was naturally athletic. I mean, I set the school pull-up record, just hopped up on the bar one day, you know? And I was one of the fastest runners in the school. And I, but I thought to myself, you know what? And the teachers and the coaches were always trying to get me. I said, I can't, I gotta work. I gotta put food on the table. I remember thinking to myself, you know, I'd love to kind of be a kid, you know, and just do yeah. this. But I, I, I believe that if I'm faithful with little things, God will trust me with much. And uh, it, it's been that way. So I'm just, I'm just so thankful that God has allowed me. Uh, you know, there was a time when, even when the companies were growing, I was saying that it was sucking up money, right? Mm-hmm. But when it got to the point where we literally had cash flow, I remember saying, God, what do you expect from me? I mean, if I can buy a helicopter for a missionary now, now the problem is bigger. Yeah. Because it's, should I? Should I buy a helicopter yeah. for a missionary, right? right? right. And when you don't have the money, it's easy to say, well, I can't. Mm-hmm. But actually, as you as you become uh, more blessed by God, you actually end up having more with wherewithal to do more things, and the and the burden actually becomes greater. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and you I, also have people that that have the mentality, um, well, you should because you can, mm-hmm. you know, and having that expectation of of us to do something that they think we should do. Well, and there's a lot but, of great ministry ideas out there, right? And they all think that theirs is the best, you know? So yeah. you really have to... It, it, it's a challenge because everybody starts coming to you and say, hey, help, help me with this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I remember going on uh, several days in a row over actually a period of weeks on the way to work. I'm just saying, God, crying out to God, God, what, what do you expect from us? What do you want from us? Because I don't want to mess up. And I would just hear him say, just be faithful. Just do what I say. Just, just be faithful. And I kept on saying it over and over again. I just had come over me. I said, God, what do you expect from us? I just, I don't want to miss it. Just be faithful. I remember this one day specifically. Here we are again. I'm just, I'm saying again, you know, God, what do you expect from me? And it was like he said, listen, I'm not broke. It was just right out of the Listen, I'm not broke. I can do anything I want anytime I want. Yeah. yeah. Oh, but I would love for you to be a part of what I'm doing. Uh-huh. So when I ask you to do something, just be faithful and pay attention and do it with all your heart. I said, yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> Stop worrying. And uh, yeah, honestly, I it took the it. burden off me because I, it was such a burden because, again, it, it, when, you, when you can change somebody's life forever, now the problem is should you be doing that? Is that where it's supposed to be? I mean, should you build a bigger steeple on the local church? Personally, I'm probably not going to do that. Yeah. Now, if God audibly tells me, I'm going to build oh, a staple. It'll no. be a fine one. Yeah. But for the most part, I, I, people say, well, Matt, what do you do then? Well, when I don't have any particular direction, I think we already have direction from the Bible. Just go out and make disciples. You know, and, in other words, to make a disciple, you've got to lead them to Christ first, right? And so if I can I- impact uh, 10,000 people mm-hmm. versus put one guy through college so he can become a scholar... Mm-hmm. The scholar's probably going to suffer in this case. Yeah, because you know? it really is about yeah. impact. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, sometimes 
God has asked me to do things I've had to ask him twice, are you sure? Because it didn't seem like it might be the best investment. And he would confirm with me. And, and so there's mm-hmm. times, that's where he says, just be faithful. So if you feel clear, yep. then that's And he doing. knows things yep. we have no clue about. He, yeah. he sees right. the big picture. What's funny is there's times later, I saw why he did what he did. Right. At the time, I didn't see it. Yeah. yeah. And that's the faith walk. Yeah. It is. Yeah, it never never stops. Right. So what would you say to people who are maybe just younger or starting out and have ideas that they feel like they came from God, they're not sure quite what to do with them? What, mm-hmm. what would be your wisdom that you'd pass on to them? First of all, don't quit your day job. And uh, <laughs> just, just continue to seek God. Uh, there, there'll be times where you'll be frustrated because you know we, we think we got it figured out better than God does at times you know well, God if you just did this you know uh, but again God is not for lack of anything that's the thing to remember he's not for lack of anything and he can do anything he wants he's not broke so even though you have an idea how God could do it better God is doing it better already and he is. so just be faithful uh, keep praying about it uh, but there's dreamers and there's dream doers we talked about that a little bit Dreamers are people that have dreams of doing things, but never literally set out to try to start that dream. Because you um, know what, that's terrifying. That's terrifying it to them. It's, it's, it's actually, I'm convinced that it's more comfortable for people to stay in the, I had a dream, yeah, in, in, but never went after it, than to go after a dream and fail. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're not used yeah. to that, right? Mm-hmm. So they'd and rather just painful. keep that dream. Yeah, it's painful. They'd rather just keep their dreams. Well, let me let me tell you what: dream doers get used to failing, because there's times you're going to get ahead of God. There's pain there too, isn't there? There's, there's times <laughs> you're going to get ahead of God, and His timing is not going to be quite right. And God can use it. Uh, when I started praying, God, you know my heart. You know that I'm a doer, man. I, I just once I got a direction, I'm kind of a bull. I'll just go for it. But God, uh, because you know my heart. And I don't ever want to be out of your out of your will. I'm asking if you wouldn't mind doing it this way. When I feel a direction, I'm going to start running. When I see something that's obvious to me, even if the door's just cracked open, I'm going to start running towards that door. If it's the most obvious thing at the moment, I'm going to start running towards the door. But I promise you, while I'm running, I'm going to say, God, if that's the devil opening that door, please shut it. But if it's you. I'm trusting that you'll swing it open. And there's times where the door was wide open and I'm running to it, but I'm praying that prayer thinking there's no way it's not going to be God. And it slammed shut. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I said, I promise you, Lord, that I'm not going to be upset with you because right. I'm going to understand that you saved me from a trap. And when I started praying that prayer, all of a sudden it was amazing how things that seemed obvious closed and things that were just the most obvious at the time, but didn't really look that promising. As I'm running towards it, when I mean running, you're moving towards making it happen. Mm-hmm. But you're praying also, Lord, please shut the door if it's not from you. So it's his great. Those would mercy. swing open. Yeah. And and, and just it, it, you could just see amazing timing of how God would make things happen. And so really, what you guys are a walking testimony to is. Um, Listen to the Lord all your life. Talk to the Lord about it all. Yeah. And he, he cares about every little... You said that you had a story about God cared about every little thing. Yeah, this is a great story. I was... Uh, this is back when my brother and I were working in the body shop and, you know, just struggling to try to make ends meet. And my mom, we had, this, we had this driveway and right in the middle of the driveway at the end where the cars park, she had carved out of the tar. There was an open area that my mom had requested from the people to put tar down to leave an open area for a little, you know, garden. You know, and so my mom had planted some flowers and some also some like onions and just different things in there, uh, chives and just different things in there. And she told my dad this one morning, uh, she says, oh, uh, honey, I've I planted that garden. I just prayed that God would bless that. And my dad, you know, who was a pastor when I was young, you know, he was just like, oh, that's that's baloney. You know, God isn't God made things to grow. They're going to grow. He doesn't need to be bothered by little things like that. And I remember thinking, that's kind of harsh. Isn't God so big that he can do this with his right hand tied behind his back? I mean, really, come on, you know. And I thought that was kind of harsh, but you don't necessarily say a whole lot to my dad. You know, he was Scotch-Irish again, you know, and, you know, you. It, my dad was always, you know, very stern. And uh, so I just kind of thought, mm, that's a little rough, you know. And so anyway, we went to work and 
a few months later, I come walking out, hadn't thought of it, hadn't even thought about it. And all of a sudden I looked at that garden, I'm going, uh, I don't remember any of those plants being that big ever before. <laughs> this looks like the land of Canaan. <laughs> I said, Dad, hey, Dad. He goes, what? I said, come here, Dad. He goes, what? I said, you remember when you told Mom that God doesn't really care about small little prayers like that, about, about you know, praying for a garden? He says, yeah. I said, have you ever seen any of those kinds of vegetables and flowers that big ever in your life? He looks at it and goes, no, I don't think I ever have. I said, I guess, Dad, that's your answer. You and go. he laughed. Yeah. He says, wow. Yeah. Wow. And so that was, that was a faith builder as, as a young man, too. It's like, yeah. God did that. Yeah. Because yeah. my mom had planted stuff before, never gotten that big. God was saying, hey, look what it. I can do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so teaching you lessons from a young age yeah. at the faithful, faithfulness. Yeah. yeah. So both of you, Sherry and Matt, would you pray over our listeners? Just release what you carry and what you, um, you know, just what you have, what the Lord's yeah. given you. If you would release that on the listeners, that they would walk in some of the, both of you. Both yeah, of you, yeah, both of you. Well, All right. Well, I'll start it and you can end it here. <laughs> okay. All right. Lord, we just thank you so much that, God, we can trust you that we know that you know so much about us that you even know how many hairs are on our head. God, we just thank you that you care about us enough to know so much about us, that you know more about us than we know about ourselves. God, there's a certain amount of trust that you can give to somebody who loves us, and we know that you love us, that knows that much about us. God, I believe that everybody that's listening to this, everybody has a dream. God, I pray that you will give them godly dreams and that you will show them how to achieve those dreams, God. And God, that they will uh, be dream doers, God. They will become dream doers, that they will pray for wisdom, that they will ask for things that would please you, God, and that you will give them those uh, abilities to be able to make these things happen, to change the world for you, Lord, to make it obvious to people that you are the God of this universe and that you are not some impersonal God, but that you are our Heavenly Father, that you love us, that you desire the best for our lives. God, I just pray that you will just um, guide and guard their hearts, God, to not become discouraged when things don't happen exactly when they want them to happen. But God, I do know that everybody has a dream, and I pray, God, that you will help them achieve godly dreams. And that, God, that the listeners hearing this, God, will impact this world for you and that they will feel your love. They will feel you surrounding them and then protecting them, God, and giving them a boldness. Lord, uh, I was timid, and God, that you gave me a boldness. I pray that you will give them boldness to share Christ with the world. And Lord, I just pray for the listeners, God, that you will bring an impartation of your spirit, of your thoughts for them, your ideas for them, um, things to prosper them, and things for them to be in health, and for them to partner with other people, Lord. I pray for the married couples, God, that they would pray together, that they would intercede together and seek you together, Lord, that there would not be a clashing or a resisting of what you want to do, that that one would, would be resisting and saying um, maybe they didn't want to let go of that money or invest that money into that, Lord, but that there would be an actual impartation for partnership uh, together as married couples, Lord, that there is so much power in agreeing together um, as husband and wife. And I pray for those listening that are seeking for their mate, their their partner of life, Lord God, that they would they would raise the bar, they would raise that standard, um, and and hear what we have had to share and say, and that walking with you and obeying you is the only way, the only successful way. And so we ask for a blessing on them in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So we have been talking with Matt and Sherry McPherson. It's been awesome, huh, Rebecca? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
Very good. And if you'd like to connect with Matt and Sherry, they have a website, mattandsherry.com. So it's M-A-T-T-A-N-D-S-H-E-R-R-Y.com. So thank you so much, you guys. This has been delightful. Thank you for wow, having us. Thank you for listening to Dare to Believe podcast. We are grateful for you, our listeners. You can find out more about us at our website, daretobelieve.info. That's dare, the number two, believe.info. Also, to make sure you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes, subscribe to us on Apple iTunes or however you listen to your podcasts. And go ahead and leave a five-star rating while you're at it. Thank you, guys. Thank you.